Welcome to Premier Christian Radio's Babylon Done podcast featuring Archbishop Joseph D'Souza. Bishop D'Souza is a renowned Christian intellectual and human rights activist from India who leads the Good Shepherd Movement and the All India Christian Council. And I'm Johnny Moore, an American evangelical who serves as the president of the Congress of Christian Leaders. I come from America. The Archbishop comes from India. So naturally, we meet in London. Okay, Bishop, what are we talking about today? We are looking at, again, the issue of the church, the growth, or decline. But I don't think, Johnny, that uh, many have met our next guest or understanding what he knows about a thriving Latino-Christian church. And the theme, really, is the rising global impact of the Hispanic church, which we are looking at. I am extre- I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, struck by the growth of the Hispanic church, the Latin church, and how they're experiencing a growth in numbers and quality, and how they're breathing life into cities and regions and the poor, and also uh, reviving faith, especially in North America. The impact of the Hispanic church is huge. So I think this episode is going to be one filled with hope and tells a story that all Christians need to know. And our guest is the Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. He's the American leader of the global Hispanic church. He's a pastor, a movie producer, an author, a civil rights activist. Uh, Reverend Rodriguez is the president of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, uh, the world's largest Hispanic Christian organization, uh, which serves as a representative voice for more than 100 million Hispanic evangelicals assembled in over 40,000 churches in the United States and in association with over 400,000 churches uh, throughout the broader uh, Spanish-speaking diaspora. He's advised multiple U.S. presidents, Democrats, and Republicans. He travels all around the world all the time. He also is the chairman of the Congress of Christian Leaders and a dear friend to Archbishop D'Souza and to me. And welcome, Reverend Samuel Rodriguez. So, uh, Sam, our our audience is uh, global and very diverse. And um, we are introducing you to this audience and... uh, going to be thinking about the rising global impact of the Hispanic or the Latino church. Um, if if somebody in our audience in Asia or Hong Kong or somewhere asked, uh, who's Sam Rodriguez? How would, you, how would you answer that? And how would you tell that uh, story of yours in a couple of minutes? Who is Sam Rodriguez? Sam Rodriguez is the uh, epitome of 1 Corinthians 15 tech. The words of the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> Amen. There it is. That's, that's Sam Rodriguez. Uh, I was raised in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, hence my messianic complex, Bethlehem, <laughs> a little town of Bethlehem. And to a Mack truck worker, a UAW worker, a union worker, and a stay-at-home mom. Uh, and that Judeo-Christian value system undergirded my upbringing, my mom gave me a choice, attend the nearest evangelical church or die. I I chose wisely. (laughs) I I am here to tell about it, to talk about it. So here we are. Uh, I grew up with a strong affinity for mathematics and science. 
I attended Lehigh University, but my math, I may preach like Captain Kirk, but I think like Spock or ah. any Trekkie in your audience. Uh, but I grew up with a strong affinity for mathematics and science. I still believe that calculus and algebra are the language of God. Huh. Um, and so if you, if you failed algebra, you should repent and there should be a realignment of your theology. <laughs> I'm in um, trouble. <laughs> so I doubted everything I experienced. You know, I doubted what I saw being, you know, forced to attend my evangelical church until I had, right about the age of 13, a legitimate, very powerful encounter with God. It was so it was so measurable. Uh, it was witnessed by a couple hundred people. So if, if some of your audience are not open to this, that's fine. I respect that. I lived at 200 witnesses. And the person who who was the conduit of this is still alive and just did a television interview. I'm about 12, 13 years of age and attending an Assembly of God church. I'm doubting everything. I'm an evangelical agnostic. I'm an agnostic who happens to be evangelical because my mom made me an evangelical. And this guy walks into his church in the 1980s. His name is Bernie Gallow. He was the Teen Challenge Choir Director of, of the Teen Challenge Ministry led by David Wilkerson, very iconic yeah, evangelical yeah, leader yeah, yeah. who pastored Times Square Church. And this guy walks in, it's the 80s, no internet, walks in there in the middle of a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. He interrupts the song and says, the Lord says there is a Sammy, not a young man, not generic, you know, there's someone here. There is a Sammy in this audience who is a young man. Wow. Now, I was the only Sammy. It's a Latino church, so as you all know, Hispanics, we are very very quiet, introverted. We <laughs> never, ever get excited in church. <laughs> I'm being very facetious. I'm then, I for your audience, I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, just yeah, in case. yeah, yeah. So my my church, my church collectively just did. I just muchacho, <laughs> which means I just muchacho. Yeah. Okay? So my pastor, Reverend Luis Felipe Lugo, I give you names, uh, who's still alive, said, "Sammy, it's you. You're the only <laughs> Sammy here." So I'm walking up, going like, "Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing. What's this guy gonna do to me?" And I went, if that rapture thing is for real, come Lord Jesus, come. Like, do it now. I, <laughs> what, I, have, I have no idea what's next. So I walked up. And this man looked at me and said, Sammy, the Lord says, everything I'm doing now, gentlemen, and I mean, what I'm living out, preaching the gospel, advancing the kingdom, working with Johnny and yourself, Bishop, that was all laid out when I was 13 years of age. Hmm. Not generically. It wasn't like, Sammy, God's going to use you and God's going to bless you. Winking and on. With great specificity. And here's how he concluded. Watch this. Sammy, believe it or not, the Lord says, you're going to be praying for president of the United States of America. Wow. wow. Now, not everyone needs that. By the way, there was a young lady in the audience who witnessed this on the left-hand side. That's my wife of 34 years. Wow. So she witnessed it, her family witnessed it, my pastor witnessed it. It was it's been documented on various television networks and magazines and so forth. Um, the point is, not everyone needs that. Sam is a Thomas. You yeah. ask me, who's Sammy? I'm a Thomas. I'm a math and science guy. Sam required some sort of supernatural intervention in order to affirm my calling. If not, I don't know if I ever would have been fulfilling that calling. And that opened up a number of doors. I went to Penn State, went to Lehigh University, and God opened doors for, for me to preach and unite the Latino community at a young level, my my generation, Generation X back then in the 1990s. And we were able to host congresses that inevitably became the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference. That's Sammy's journey ever since then, by the grace of God, 
I've been able to advise only by his grace and by his divine appointment in spite of me. I've been able to advise three presidents, President Bush. I advised him for four years. I advised President Obama for eight years. And I advised President Trump for four. Now, for your audience, I am not required to vote for them in order to serve as an advisor. I was an advisor to three presidents, and I did not vote for all three. Uh, I have a biblical rubric that guides me in my in the way I vote. I believe it's biblically substantiated, and uh, and therefore I don't have I don't have to vote for certain candidates. But God opened doors, and and likewise we produce movies in Hollywood. Pastor a wonderful multi ethnic church, and above all I have an incredible family. All my kids love Jesus. They're educated, and they happen to be comedians. I have no idea where to get it from. <laughs> uh, Sam, there's a lot of talk about um, what's what's wrong with the church. Okay, it, it seems like everybody's fixated on uh, on you know e- everything that isn't isn't just right. But what makes you optimistic about about the church? I mean, you've you've seen as much of it as anyone I know all around the world. The two gentlemen in front of me. I'm not kidding. That's not even, uh, it's, it, it, I, I really mean it. The fact that we have a John 17, 21 moment taking place, hence the Congress of Christian Leaders is very important in my heart. And having you as the leader speaks accolades to optimism in the church. Yeah, listen, God's bringing the church together. There's there's a, there's a renewal and awakening taking place. Uh, the, and it is. I know we want to put timestamps on it and we have we have these metrics that we've laid out. Uh, I, I look at biblically substantiated metrics. The Spirit of God is being poured out upon all flesh. People from different ethnicities, groups, cultures, even those that are antithetical to our Judeo-Christian value system because of religious or cultural political upbringings and myopic thinking, they're having encounters with God, hence in the Middle East, hence through dreams. There are things taking place, my friend. Johnny, God is moving. I'm optimistic because millennials and Generation Z are hungry for spiritual renewal, and that's where God shows up. Uh, I'm optimistic because righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne, and truth and love lead the way as attendance. Psalm 89, 14. I'm optimistic because one of the most prominent Latino artists on planet Earth with 49 million followers, a guy named Daddy Yankee, uh, he's a hip-hop artist, he just announced this past weekend in his concert, I'm, I'm leaving this because... I've had an incredible encounter with the risen Savior, Jesus. I've given my life to Jesus. I am a born-again Christian now, and I am so radically in love with him that I want you. And he started preaching, one of the most famous artists in the entire Hispanic world. God is up to something, Johnny. I'm optimistic because the word of God, Luke 137, never fails. So God's not done with us yet. Amen, amen. And uh, uh, Sam, you know, I'm... um... I'm reading a book which was recommended to me uh, about the self-understanding and self-definition of the early Christians and how they saw uh, what Jesus was, what the Holy Spirit was, and what what their mission was. And I was struck that in the very first chapter, first page, first paragraph, uh, they saw that um, Jesus as Lord and Savior, the task that uh, God had given them was to create a new mankind in in a in a historical sense in Jesus to bring people together and create this new mankind and how 
these uh, early Christians brought the you know Gentiles and everything else. And you just said about this multi-ethnic church that uh, that you're pastoring and leading. Uh, you would have people of all races, right, in your church. It's it's not an objective. It 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 is our very DNA. It's our very purpose. I pastor in California when we first started a church. The mandate I truly received, that I truly believe that I received from God, and I say that with fear and trembling. Now, I'm, for your audience' sake, not that I have to frame this, I'm a Baptocostal, so I'm uh, I'm both a Baptist and a Spirit empowered believer. Uh, so because of that, we we're not weird, but we're wired. <laughs> so we're, we we adhere to biblical orthodoxy. I say that because I hear a lot of people say, God told me. Well, it has to be biblically substantiated, biblically undergirded, and complete alignment of the Word of God. Uh, so, yeah, I believe I, I heard God about a multi-ethnic church plant. Everyone's there, Bishop. Uh, our church is 40% Anglo, Caucasian, which is covert for white, uh, 40% Black, uh, African-American Black, 20% Latino and Asian. But we also have a Spanish ministry per campus because of the language component. It, and it's, it's very uh, millennial. It's about 68% millennial, uh, but it's very multi-generational. That's the church we pastor. It's arguably not deemed by me, but those in the region, uh, the most multi-ethnically diverse church in, in that region of Northern California. And I love it. It looks like the kingdom. And that's why I'm optimistic. Multi-ethnic churches, multi-generational, Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered, and committed to changing the world in the mighty name of Jesus. Sam, that's, uh, that's you know, for 25 years and more, Johnny knows, been the passion of my life is to, to have this one new body of Christ. Christ came to create a new humanity. And that to hear that your church is there. Next time I'm in California, I'm coming to visit you and to see for myself. Please. Because, you know, I'm, I'm in the business of going around the world too and showing people who are deeply divided because of caste, color, ethnicities, that the church was meant to break these walls and bring together, but they need to see what has happened is they've not seen the demonstration of this. And there, with the, when I hear you, I feel, wow, this is a kindred spirit. He has done it. He demonstrated. It's good for the downtrodden and the so-called low castes in India and the blacks and others. They have never seen this in a big way. They need to see this. They need to say, hey, the gospel and Jesus can do this. And I think that's a huge contribution that uh, you bring to the global body, uh, not just the Hispanic body. No, and John, let me interject for a second. Even the name of your podcast, basically confronting that that babble reality, right? Right. Um, and I, I love it because the antidote to racial and cultural angst, consternation, discord, and strife is the body of Christ. It's the church. We're looking for political solutions. Johnny knows as well. Uh, I met Johnny Moore, who I do believe is one of the most leading Christian voices on planet Earth, without a doubt. I met Johnny when he was a young buckaroo at Liberty University. Yeah. A young buckaroo speaking <laughs> at Liberty University. And we intersected and, and God just united us and we were done. Hmm. Um, and he had me at hello in a good redemptive way. I just want to, don't, don't want to confuse your audience there. <laughs> um, but this, this idea of multi-ethnicity and multi-ethnic, I say multi-ethnic, notice I never said multicultural. The reason I say multi-ethnic because the only culture we should be elevating is the culture of the kingdom. So we're, we're a multi-ethnic kingdom culture movement, 
And and for such a time as this, the only agenda that can save the world is not the agenda of the donkey or the elephant. I'm talking about the mascots in yeah. the American political spectrum. The only agenda that can save the world is the agenda of the lamb. It's the lamb's agenda. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let, let's let's go there for for a minute, um, Sam. I, it's it's one of the things I think you and Archbishop D'Souza, you know, have have in common. When I when I think about leaders, um, uh, Christian leaders around the world who know how to deal. Uh, with people who believe differently than they do, who know how to engage in the public public square, um, you know, you at the head of this incredible Latino Hispanic evangelical movement, you know, Archbishop D'Souza, um, le- you know, leading a minority uh, Christian uh, movement, uh, because all Christians in India are minorities, and yet watching his influence across culture, um, you, you've no doubt uh, learned countless lessons, um, you know, through through the years you've worked on all kinds of difficult issues in the public square. You've rubbed shoulders with leaders uh, who you agree with and lots and lots of those you disagree with and that you find a w- way to make a difference. Like, how have you had such an impact uh, in, in such a diverse world? What, what have you learned to help the rest of those listening who may be tempted just to like stay out of all of it? It's just best just to stay out of all of it. And yet you seem to have demonstrated that you can be in it and yet... Uh, um, you know, not uh, not not come away from it like everyone else. And Johnny, you you know very well, and and I am a probably the president of the Bishop D'Souza fan club. His his leadership is legendary. I've seen him, and and I've seen what you have done. I have a rubric that guides me every single day, every single day, be it in the White House or in Hollywood, wherever God assigns me. And it's real simple. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Every single day, Sam, remind yourself, today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Two, you are what you tolerate. Sam, in conversation, in public policy, in your own life, in your family, in your community, in your generation, in your nation, you are what you tolerate. Three, truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. Never sacrifice truth, Sam. Not even to gain access be it to the Oval Office, be it to a Hollywood script, whatever it may be, never sacrifice truth. Number four, there is no such animal as comfortable Christianity. Christianity has been, and until the coming of the Lord, and he establishes his kingdom will be, a countercultural narrative. Absolutely. Because we are about righteousness and justice, truth and love. We are light in the midst of darkness. And number five, Samuel, always reconcile your eschatology or your missiology which means even though we know Jesus is coming back, while we are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. Be part of that church that doesn't lean left or right, but rather stands on God's word, on the finished work of Christ, and on God's promises. That guides me, Johnny, in all of my deliberations, Bishop, every single day, that's the rubric that guides me. Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, Sam, uh, we are all, you know, blessed and thank God for what is doing in the Latin Church and the Hispanic Church and through your network, etc. And if you when you look at the powerful growth, the momentum, and all, what would be one or two reasons why that's happening? Because we're both a vertical and horizontal community. The Latino church is one of the fastest growing churches on the planet, but but it's because we're both vertical and horizontal. Let me explain. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. And for years, 
in evangelicalism in Protestant Christianity, and I'll, I'll go to the Catholic Church in a second, but in, in Protestant Christianity, we focus exclusively, if not from, from 1950 to about the year 2000, on the vertical, which meant what? We're leaving. You know, Jesus is coming, rapture, et cetera, et cetera. And I have no qualms regarding your dispensationalist mindset of whatever worldview may guide you in your in your eschatological interpretation of the last days. I respect that. However, the escapism was so great that we abandoned the horizontal. So we weren't committed to societal transformation because the church were out. And the Latino community came along and said, wait a second, why can't we be both vertical and horizontal? Why can't we be both righteousness and justice, truth and love? sanctification and service, John 3.16 and Matthew 25. Why can't we be both conviction and compassion? What about this? Why can't we be both Billy Graham's message and Dr. King's march? Amen. That's not, that's what makes us unique, gentlemen. We're both Billy Graham's message of salvation exclusively through Jesus Christ, John 14.6, but we are also committed to the march of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the march for biblical justice undergirded by Psalm 89, 14, Luke chapter 4, Micah 6, 8. That's us. So the Latino community, get ready for one, is Billy Graham and Dr. King in a blender with a lot of salsa sauce on top. <laughs> you know, uh, you, uh, you made a brilliant, brilliant point. Uh, Billy Graham and Martin Luther King. And, and you talked about the problem of the vertical. And, and that has been one of... Uh, Evangelical evangelism's blind spot. Most people don't know this, Sam, but I've written about it. When the evangelical community around the world had the first Congress on World Evangelization in Berlin, which later became the Lausanne Conference and all, right. they invited everybody, but there was one Christian leader of that time and era who did not get an invite, and that was Martin Luther King. Can you imagine how this vertical thing has impacted us? It's myopic. It, it, it's cultural myopia. Uh, it's theological rigidness where it's not orthodoxy. No. It's not. I am committed to biblical orthodoxy, sound doctrine, uh, and I oppose any and all vestiges of heretical teachings and so forth. But that's not... That's not theological orthodoxy. That's just discriminatory, biased, myopic, limited thinking. And it's wrong. We, we missed an opportunity. How can you not invite one of the iconic Christian leaders on the planet to a gathering of the most influential Christian leaders on the planet? Wrong. So that from the onset was wrong. But the great news, back to Johnny's, one of the initial questions, why are you optimistic? Because the Congress of Christian Leaders has a different DNA. And we are so multi-ethnically committed. We're so kingdom culture driven. And it's not self, you know, inflating here. We we guide ourselves and we're and we're certain that we have others looking at us to make sure that we do everything with impeccable integrity and we fulfill that great mandate to be inclusive. Sam, you you are the chair of the Congress of Christian Leaders. Johnny is the CEO, the leader. And I, 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 I receive your passion. What's, what's the vision you have for the Congress of Christian Leaders as we go forward? Why yet another alliance or Congress? Uh, what are we bringing to the table in term, as Congress of Christian Leaders that can not only fire up the church, but fire up a watching world? 
Well, Bishop, my assignment is to serve and undergird and be the wingman to Bishop D'Souza and the one and only Pastor Johnny Moore. We have incredible leadership, fully committed to the agenda I just laid out, to righteousness and justice, truth and love. And here's the idea. Imagine the gathering, like the like a council of James. Imagine the gathering of the most influential Christian leaders on the planet um, in the year 2024. And every year post facto until the coming of the Lord. Imagine if we gather, not for the purpose of gathering, gentlemen, and establishing a commission, but what if we gather in the spirit of John 17, 21, the Lord's Prayer, let them be one as you and I are one, for biblical unity and for us to lead a righteousness and justice, truth and love movement across the world, fully committed to life, religious liberty, and biblical justice in the mighty name of Jesus. Imagine that. So imagine a... a Nicaean Creed, for lack of a better term, not for the purpose of understanding which book should be in the Bible, but what should be the agenda of the collective Christian community, the Bible-believing community, for such a time as this. So it's a new wineskin. With great due deference, gentlemen, I, I must mention this. There are other organizations out there, and God bless them, filled with good, not even good people, with great people. However, the moment you see other organizations who, who began... In, in, in its in its in its infancy, great objectives, but however have deviated from Psalm 89:14, from John 14:6, from biblical orthodoxy, where they have deviated from the truth of the Bible regarding life, religious liberty, biblical justice, nations that are being persecuted. When when organizations that are Christian conflate what took place on October 7th in Israel, where they can't just stand up and say. Hamas is a terrorist group. It is evil, period, without a comma, without a conjunction. But the moment they go comma, but, they go into an area of moral ambiguity. Let me give you one statement here that I've written about recently. It's a thought that came to my mind. I, I truly believe it, that it was an inspired thought, but I'm, I'm writing on it. Relativism always leads to perversion. Absolutely. I will repeat that. Relativism leads to perversion. Moral relativism leads to moral perversion. And here comes, here comes. Christian relativism leads to a perversion of our Christian faith. Hmm. So you ask, what's the vision? CCL emerges, fully committed as a firewall against that relativism, both in Christianity and to tackle it around the world. Bringing people together, the most influential Christian leaders for such a time as this, and I believe we're going to change the world. We're going to advance the kingdom of heaven <laughs> so, here on earth. Amen. Amen. I, I, I'm going to ask one last question, though, uh, because I agree with all that. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it's uh, so much of my life and our life, uh, our life and vision together. Um, lots of organizations, lots of churches, lots of institutions all began with the best intentions. And when we talk about righteousness and we talk about justice, um, what is what is the uh, kryptonite? to the righteousness part of this? Where do you go wrong on being uh, uh, so heavenly-minded you're of no earthly good or on the justice side um, where it becomes its own its own thing? Like where, uh, give us a warning, uh, not just for the Congress of Christian Leaders, but for every church pastor listening to us, every good-intentioned young Christian who just wants to like rescue the world and stop discrimination <laughs> Uh, every Bible-believing Christian who stands for righteousness every day in the in the public square, like, where do you get it wrong on both ends of the spectrum, and how can we protect against it? 
the moment we permit a false dichotomy that separates the vertical from the horizontal elements of the cross. If we go fully and exclusively vertical and it's all about righteousness, we miss the horizontal. And, and if we go completely justice, and by the way, it has to be biblical justice, justice in the name of Jesus, justice in the preaching of the gospel, justice for the fulfillment of the Great Commission, not just justice for justice sake, but it's both vertical and horizontal. If all we do, uh, Johnny and Bishop, if all we do is preach truth exclusively, then we are nothing better than mathematicians. If all we do is preach love, then we're nothing better than California hippies. The moment we preach truth in love, truth with love, and truth for love, we are born-again Christians, and we change the world. Amen. Let it That's be. the firewall, my friend. That's a great note. Thank you, Samuel Rodriguez, for uh, once again inspiring all of us and uh, giving us your, your time today. I, I've known Sam Rodriguez for my entire adult life. I, I, he is such an inspiration to me and, and so, so many things I've done all around the world. But there is never a moment I'm in a conversation with him where I, I don't leave fired up. But, I, but Bishop, it's not just about getting fired up and excited. I mean, he, he not only fired us up and motivated us, but like I got a bunch of notes of like substance, like how to do these these things. things. And uh, I, 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 this is like the type of conversation I, I need to listen to about once a week, I think. Yeah, it's massive. We covered a lot of territory. I must say, I've heard Sam and all, but today in, in interviewing him, I think we went a little deeper and I asked questions. And, and, and it, it just a breath of such fresh air when he said we need to bring Billy Graham and Martin Luther King together. I mean, that's a radical statement, you know, and most people don't get it. The, those who are Billy Graham, uh, they want Martin Luther out. Those who are Martin Luther King, they want Billy Graham out. No, this is, this is the bringing of the vertical, and, uh, and that's what is going to transform and change the world. And so I'm looking forward uh, to, uh, to April. Yeah, you know, we're we're going to gather together um, the leaders of the largest Christian movements in the world uh, for a uh, time like a, this, a, 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 a time of like uh, seeking the Lord and then deciding uh, what 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 we should focus on for the next five or ten years, and uh, and and that's all Sam's Sam's inspiration, and and again, it's not just a pep rally; it's things like we heard, like. You know, we have to decide that you are what you tolerate, that we should never sacrifice truth on the altar of political expediency, that today's complacency is tomorrow's tomorrow's captivity, that as Christians in a world um, that uh, doesn't always accept what we believe, we need to remember that has always been the case for 2000 years. We are a countercultural movement and we need to get get used uh, used to that. Uh, there's, there's just there's just so much here. Uh, I'm, and the fact that he said, you know, we are never going to be in a comfortable moment because we are countercultural. There's a price to be paid. There is suffering in this. And I, I'm afraid we have a whole generation of young Christians that we've taught them that uh, the most important thing in the world is to get a like on on Facebook or something. I mean, they're not even on Facebook anymore. But like, that's not Christianity. You no. know, it's uh, it's 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 not only different than that. It's bigger than that. And. Uh, uh, th- there are a lot, a lot of things I'll be thinking about from our chat today for a long time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today for Babel 
undone. If this conversation had you thinking, then why don't you share it with someone else? For more episodes of Babel Undone or other amazing content that helps Christians live out their faith, you should head over to premiere.plus. That's premiere, P-R-E-M-I-E-R, for the Americans listening in, dot plus.